Have you ever seen the scariest movie ever made? And today we take a look at a phenomenon that may connect the biological self to the realm of the dead, today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you're having a great day too. I shaved my beard. It feels really weird. I've had a beard for a year now. I've been doing play after play. I don't really like changing my look while I'm doing plays. You know, there's this old Native American legend, and it could just be made up too. (laughs) I don't know. I read it somewhere, but during Vietnam, when there were Native American soldiers fighting for the U.S., they always had their long hair. And actually, the story doesn't make any sense because they don't make don't they make you shave your head? But anyways, the story that I heard was that the longer the hair, the more connected you are to the spiritual forces of the world. And it's basically acts as little antennas for that. I'll see if I can find any sources for that. I could just be remembering something told me once. But I was hearing it in the context of that is why there's such a push for black men and women black men to shave their heads and for women to get weaves and not have afros it's because it's basically destroying their antennas it's cutting off their connection to the universe you you know the black community has a lot of conspiracy theories there's a lot of conspiracy theories based around either i mean rightfully so them being like subjugated and then just kind of weird I, i think that's why you hear more about Illuminati rappers than you hear about Illuminati like folk singers or Illuminati cellists. It's always like Beyonce and Jay-Z and Kanye West and all that stuff and it's never Yo-Yo Ma. There's also a lot of like anti-Semitism conspiracy theories in the black community too. They had that one congressman, I think he was a local congressman from DC who said the Jews were controlling the weather. That was like two years ago. That wasn't a long time ago. There's just a lot of conspiracy theories in the black community, and it could just be that I find those easier, but I'm wondering how many are actually out there in like Asian communities and Hispanic communities and things like that. But so, yeah, I read about um, people there. The government wants you, the government and society wants black people to shave their heads so they cut off their bodies from the universe. And the story was also talking about the Native Americans of Vietnam. That's a great way to start a show, completely vague, and I have absolutely no sources for it, and I will have to now spend time after I'm done recording this finding any shred of a link that talks about anything I just said. But I shaved my beard. What's the point of that story? So anyways, my face is cold. Let's go ahead and get started with the episode. Now, the intro where I said, have you ever seen the scariest movie ever made? I assume that most people would go, oh, he's going to tell me what the scariest movie ever made was. And I'm not, actually, because that's part of the question. I, I've seen a lot of great horror movies in my life. That's my favorite genre to watch. And I think that the movies that I think are scary tend to be the ones that everybody thinks are scary. Now, I've never seen The Exorcist for good reason. I think I've seen it parodied so many times that I think a lot of the effect has been lost. Oh no, she's saying, you know, you'll suck dicks in hell. Oh no, her head's spinning around. I've seen that done so many times in so many comedies, but I think the effect is lost. If I had to list off a couple of my favorite horror movies, horror movies that I think work on a very visceral, scary level, Alien. I saw Alien for the first time a couple years ago, and it terrified me. It was a big, I didn't expect it. I'd seen Aliens growing up multiple times, but Alien is basically a haunted house movie in space. It's very, very effective. They 
these explore it's basically cabin in the woods these people go to a place they hear like a signal call they go there and the the whole movie shot like a traditional horror movie except you know everything's like white and pristine and it's just twist after twist it's totally totally creepy i didn't know certain elements of the movie and we're not going to give them away here i obviously knew about the chestburster but there was a lot of stuff i didn't know about the movie terrified me Speaking of Haunted Houses in Space, Event Horizon, great, great horror movie. It, again, is basically a haunted house. It is this isolated thing floating in the middle of nowhere, and it's like Cabin in the Woods. They have to go out and... Cabin in the Woods, I guess I should say, too, if you don't know what that is, that is basically a... Not necessarily a parody. It's not a comedy, but it's the only word I can think of. It is a send-up of every horror movie trope you could think of. And the point is, is that all the horror movies we watch are actual rituals to prevent the dark gods from taking over the planet. So they'd have to send out a jock, a virgin, a nerd, a stoner. These stereotypes would have to be killed off by whatever thing they chose to to kill them. So So in a sense, you go to the cabin and you're like, oh, let's read out of this haunted book. And you read out of it and a ghost would come out. But someone else could go to a secluded hotel in the middle of nowhere and they go oh i wonder what happens if i open this music box it's a really interesting movie cabin in the woods is a great movie it's not really a scary movie but it really did lay out those tropes in a great way and most of these movies are like people choosing the instrument of their own destruction dawn of the dead remake i loved Zack snyder it wasn't it scared me it scared me night of the living dead is one of the scariest movies i'd ever seen i saw it when i was 15 i was absolutely terrified I could go on and on about great horror movies that I really enjoy, and they scared me on a certain level. The Canal really scared me. That's a newer movie. And I was dating a girl at the time, and I was like, I can't finish watching this movie. I can't finish watching this movie. And she said, she ended up watching it, and she's like, dude, it's not scary at all. So I was like, oh, okay. And then I finished it, and I was terrified. So, I mean, you know, it works on different levels. But I'm not here, because this isn't Dead Rabbit Recommends. That, that'll be coming up in a bit. But I'm not here to tell you what is the scariest movie I ever saw. And I'm not here to discuss, like, the top 25 scariest movies. My question is this. Somewhere, I guess it's not a question, it's a statement. Somewhere out there, there is the scariest movie ever made. A movie that regardless of your personal beliefs or regardless of your particular tastes in, say, slasher films versus ghost films, it would scare everybody. And it exists somewhere out there. A terrifying, chilling film. I don't think anyone's ever seen it. And so that's going to sound weird, but I was thinking about this. Imagine a movie that's so terrifying, it basically begins to shut down your brain. A movie that uses... Because we've heard scary stories that are terrifying. You know, that cut across cultures and cut across age groups, and everyone hears it, and they're like, oh, that's just kind of a chilling story. And there are certain musical cues, too, that are used to great effect in horror movies because they do something to the human psyche when we hear these certain musical cues. It's just like, ugh. And that's why you hear them over and over and over again throughout the ages. But film allows you to combine the two plus the visual. You have the storytelling, you have the audio, and now you have this visual And I have a theory. I think at some point, somebody made the scariest movie ever made, ever filmed, and it didn't get released. This is my conspiracy theory. I think at some point, somebody made a movie that was so terrifying that the people involved in it said, we're never going to release this. And you could go, Jason, that's ridiculous. But, But hear me out. I think that has been created. Something so cold and disturbing and dark that it just 
by watching it, it terrifies you. And you could say something like a Serbian film might come close to that, but I don't think that, I think that's more of like a human, I think that's more of like a human psychological horror than kind of what I'm going for. And I sat, I, I came up with this idea a couple of years ago, and I really thought about all the movies that I had seen, and I'm like, none, none of the movies I've ever seen, and I've seen some really crazy things. I go, none of the things that I've ever seen would really fit that category. I obviously watched it and, and went on with my life and wasn't affected by it. And in movies, we'll see movies and books and things like that that drive you mad when you read them. But does something like that exist in a real world? And I started to think about it, and I go, it probably would fall under a couple different... There'd probably be a couple different qualifications for this. I figured it was probably made in the 60s or early 70s, which when film was super experimental and they were pushing the boundaries. I think it would have been made by a completely independent director, probably a first film that we've never... This person's never made another movie. Nightmare on Elm Street, very scary movie, especially when it first came out. I was a kid when it came out. But when you have a studio behind it and they're, you know, able to have the marketing team and things like that, this movie would have none of that stuff. This movie's most likely foreign, and I'm thinking most likely Italy, and then my second guesses would be France or South America. I, I, I just have a feeling this movie's out there. I have a feeling that there's this movie that was made that wasn't meant to be watched. I think the people who made it honestly thought they were just making another horror movie. But the combination of the right writer, the right director, the right cinematographer, it created something that wasn't meant to be watched. Now, you could say snuff films and stuff like that. I'm not talking about that. It may have those elements in it, but snuff by itself doesn't make a movie more scary. It makes it grosser. But if you're watching a movie and you're like, oh no, that guy who got shot, the director really shot him with a gun. You'd be like, ugh. It doesn't make the movie scarier. It just makes the movie more disturbing. This movie, I think, would border on, like, profane, unholy. Like, simply watching it is like an, an act against the cosmos. Does this movie exist or is this just something that I've thought about? Like, is this just some sort of thought experiment? The chances of me talking about it on the podcast and the chances of someone listening to this podcast knowing what I'm talking about, it's infinitesimal. This movie that was made may no longer even exist. It was probably highly experimental and pushed the boundaries of storytelling and music composition and directing. And here's the question too. If, you, if this movie did exist, it's almost like a ring video, but a narrative form. Maybe not even a narrative. On The Office, they had an episode where Gabe had, was a fan of something called Cinema of the Unsettling. He said the best film in that movement right now was an hour-long video of a squirrel with diarrhea. And he makes this movie, it's all these intercut shots like The Ring, and it's just all this disturbing stuff happening around The Office and, and gross stuff. And someone goes, what's it about? And he goes, I don't know. Maybe the director knew that even a narrative provided some comfort. It does have to be like an hour plus. A short film that's just creepy imagery, I don't count that. A film is what I'm talking about. If you knew this film existed, and you knew that the people who made it were like, please don't watch this movie. It's it's going to really, really mess with your head. Like, we made it, and we realized that it was such a bad thing, we never released it. Would you watch that movie? I, would, I think I would watch it if they said, listen, it's really, really disturbing and you're going to have nightmares. I would be like, okay, I'll, I'll give it a shot. If they told me that this watching this movie will open a portal and it will cause you to descend into madness, 
I don't know. I, th- I, I swear it's out there. I swear that movie's out there. And, and you know, and, and people will be like, oh, you know, watch Lake Mungo. Oh, watch the Poughkeepsie tapes. I'm talking 10 levels below that. Oh, watch Martyrs. Again, This I'm, I'm talking way below that. Those still had movie studios behind them or movie studios bought them and distributed them. August Underground, Mortem. I'm not talking about that. Just keep going down. Somewhere down there. This movie exists. It's probably on some 16 millimeter reel in some rich man's collection of just like insane objects. Or maybe the government has it. I don't know, but I'm sure it's out there. I do want to do, and this is kind of related, I do want to do a Dead Rabbit Recommends. I want to do more of these, especially during October, because I think a lot of people are looking for scary things to watch. I was about 16 years old. I was playing the Sega Genesis. My mom had gone out on a date with the man who would eventually become my stepfather. And I'm up late, and I'm playing Sega Genesis. My mom, my mom doesn't watch horror movies to begin with, but I'm sitting there, it's late at night, and the door, she comes in the door of the apartment, and I go, hey mom, and she just stares at me. So my mom's just looking at me, and then she goes, don't ever watch In the Mouth of Madness. And just walked down the hallway to her bedroom. And I'm like, holy sh- I have to watch this movie now. What the hell? I've never seen a human have a reaction to a movie like that. In the Mouth of Madness is one of my favorite horror movies. It is, and I've seen, I saw it back then, and I've seen it multiple times throughout the years. It holds up incredibly well. It's John Carpenter's best, uh, It's John Carpenter's best film. I'll say it. I think it's better than The Thing. That's debatable, though. We could go back and forth on that. It's the story, it's, it's, it's a mystery horror film where Sam Neill is a insurance adjuster, insurance investigator, and a top horror author goes missing a, a, a couple weeks before his newest mo- novel is supposed to come out, In the Mouth of Madness. And Sam Neill is hired to investigate him, or they have to pay out the insurance claim. It's very old-school horror Lovecraft-type stuff like that, where you take a normal person and you set them on this mystery, you set them on this course that is going to take them into this super dark world. Sutter Kane is the name of the author. What he does is he is basically their equivalent of Stephen King. He writes these books, and they all have to do with, like, eldritch horrors and stuff like that. Dark gods. And his latest book coming out is In the Mouth of Madness. The pe- It's the number one book. Everyone's reading it. And what is going on in the backdrop is as Sam Neill is investigating, trying to figure out where Sutter Kane is, riots are breaking out throughout cities across America. His fans are basically becoming psychopaths and then turning into monsters, basically. That is maybe the first 30 minutes of it, and it just gets weird from there. In the Mouth of Madness is effective on so many levels because you don't really know anything more than the Sam Neill character does. I I think he's pretty much in every single scene. He is you. There's no scenes of really people sitting around discussing things without him. The line between reality and dream is constantly blurred. The line between reality and fiction is constantly blurred. The movie is incredibly well shot. Everything looks creepy. Everything feels like a nightmare. And all the effects are practical. That's one of the things I love about John Carpenter is that the creatures look like they actually exist in the world. I think there's maybe two or three CGI effects in the whole movie. And you... I I can see why it really disturbed my mom. There are still scenes from that movie... You're driving along at night, 
and you remember that scene in in the mouth of madness it's a great horror film if you if you have seen it you know exactly what i'm talking about and you're like yeah that movie was dope if you haven't seen it it is a great way to kick off halloween month watch in the mouth of madness i can't give anything more away because to tell you anything more i'd have to explain if i had to explain like one scare in the movie I'd have to go on for another 20 minutes to be like... And that's what's effective about it. They're not so much jump scares as they are escalation of the events that you've seen before. It's not like The Conjuring where they're like, there's a ghost in here. There's a ghost in here. It's like this, this, that creepy thing that's happening right now is simply an escalation of the previous 20 creepy scenes that you've seen. So it's constantly growing and you feel that tension. And it's just, In the Mouth of Madness, great soundtrack, too. It's that old-school 90s heavy metal. I love it. I love every minute of it. In the Mouth of Madness, Dead Rabbit recommends that. Okay, so what we're going to talk about now is from the Conspiracy Iceberg. This one is TGA gray spacing slash paranormal debug. Generally, the two terms are used in conjunction with each other. So TGA, gray spacing, a lot of times you'll see people go, what's TGA, gray spacing? And people go, you, you got to investigate paranormal debug. People say, well, what's paranormal debug? And they go, you have to investigate TGA, gray spacing. So it was a bunch of circular stuff in the beginning. I didn't know, really know where to start. TGA, a lot of people don't know what it stands for. Even I'm pretty iffy on it now. .tga, which is normally how it's posted, is like a graphics file. And so people were thinking .tga gray spacing had to do with hiding information in a photo. That's fairly well known. You can hide information in photos quite well. A lot of times spies will use that. They'll post a photo of a girl sniffing a flower. But if you have the right software, when you download that photo, you can access the information on that photo. Sometimes it's hidden in the metadata, but sometimes it's actually hidden in the photo itself. So that's not really conspiracy theory work. It's it's known technology. And then uh, TGAs also can refer to a lot of acronyms of institutions and things like that i checked i was checking all all of them out like thailand's good associated or therapeutic therapeutic goods associated was one of them it's some conglomerate or some sort of facility or something in australia it doesn't matter but what what was tripping me up was that the two terms were constantly being used in conjunction with each other so i started to think well tga gray spacing even though that's quite vague it must have something to do with paranormal now, this is interesting, too, because TGA Grayspacing, this actually showed up on a very, very early version of the iceberg. I have icebergs, the iceberg meme, from quite far back. This one actually showed up, because I've been collecting them at this point. Let me pull this up here. So this actually showed up on an iceberg in May of 2016. Most of the other topics didn't show up until February, January, February of 2017. So this was very, very early on the conspiracy theory list. TGA gray spacing, paranormal debug. How are they connected? What I had to do, and you're going to have to hold my hand here, and we're going to go on a bit of a journey. We're going to take a leap of faith. Because at this point, I'm, I got my sources, but you're going to, you know, you have faith that this journey is going to lead somewhere. So I believe TGA means thalamogenic culate artery. I, I, I'm sure there's an easier way to say that. It's the part of the brain that helps provide blood to the thalamus. So the thalamus, what it does, thalamus functions as an important relay and integrative station for sensory signals and motor information passing to all areas of the cerebral cortex and then a bunch of other brain stuff. It also regulates consciousness, sleep, and alertness. So basically it is in charge of your sensory organs. Everything from touch to sight, taste, things like that. And it, like I said, regulates consciousness. 
So you're like, Jason, out of all of the options of what TGA can mean, why did you focus on this artery that provides blood to this thalamus? The other ones I looked at, because this has been a heavily requested story, people want to know what it is because it's been around on the iceberg for so long. People thought TGA, like I said, meant the graphical file. Some people have thought it meant transient global amnesia. But neither of those fit with paranormal debug. I think that the TGA gray spacing, and we'll get into the gray spacing in a second, but the TGA, it's basically providing the water to the tree that is the thalamus, if that analogy works. It's basically, it basically is keeping that part of your brain alive. There's other, other veins that go into that, but that is, you know, an important one that goes into the thalamus. You're like, Jason, you don't know what you're talking about, brains. And fair, fair enough. Like I said, hold my hand and go on this journey with me. I'm sure there's some brain surgeon out there who's like, God, this kid's an idiot. But think about it as if the thalamus represents the consciousness, then the TGA is the thing connecting it to the rest of your body, providing it your biological functions going into your consciousness, keeping that part of you alive. So stay with me. We're going somewhere with this. Gray spacing, like I said, a lot of people are like, I don't know what that means or that it has to do with the gray spacing of a file, maybe tied up. This is what took me the longest to find. What was the gray spacing? I had settled on the TGA thing because I was like, okay, it's related to consciousness and sensory organs, and that has a lot to do with how we experience the world around us. What is gray spacing? I finally figured it out. I had to thumb through an old book and had to get some more clarification because it wasn't a book written for people like me. It was a book written for people who know, you know, $3 words. Gray spacing is actually a geographical slash social term. And what it means is that when a city is growing and beginning to absorb the rural communities around it, there's this problem. On the white side, you have law and order and social society. And then on the black side, you have crime, devastation, and death. And that's in any given society. The gray spacing is the quasi-legal things that happen in between. So, you have the law saying this is how things absolutely work. We do not allow anyone to sell cigarettes without them being manufactured in a factory and sold by a distributor. That's the law. And then the dark side would be like, you know what, we're just going to grow our own tobacco or weed or whatever and we're going to roll it and anyone can smoke it as long as they pay us. Where the gray spacing would work in that, the gray spacing in that scenario would be the liquor store owner who buys cartons of cigarettes from a distributor like normal, but then he allows customers to buy Lucy's. He allows customers to come in and just buy a single cigarette. Technically, it's not allowed, but a lot of times the government will turn a blind eye to that type of behavior. He is following the rules to an extent, and he's not doing the horrible things. He's not create breaking the bad laws. He's just selling Lucy's, which technically, again, is against the law, but it's in that gray space. The gray space seen in a social element, like in the bigger form, it means you have laws that are set up for everybody, and then you have these subjugated communities that are kind of pushed into ghettos, and then they kind of filter through society, and the gray space is them not being able to come completely up into the white, 
into the light side, into the law and order side, because they're still subjugated, but they're also not pushed down to the point where they're starving to death in the ghettos. So, so that, so that's where that term comes from. It's a combination between in cities and social societies, you have people who follow and enforce the rules, and then you have people who break all the rules. And then you have the people who live in that quasi-zone in the middle of not necessarily lawlessness, but not necessarily totally accepted as part of society. So this is why, so we, now we have gray spacing, we have TGA. Paranormal debug, I think, just plays into that. And it's going to play into this explanation as well. And I think it's funny because yesterday I was talking trash about mediums. And now I'm going to give them a little bit of wiggle room. If science and the physical world around us is the law and order. It is what we know. It is what is told. It is what is enforced to us. Because if I jump, I don't fly away. I am I am held down by the laws of the universe. The black side, the dark side, would be the removal of those laws 100% completely. You, It would be complete universal chaos. You would have to remove yourself completely from this realm, which is what would happen, let's say, when you die. Your spirit is no longer contained by the laws of physics. There is no, doesn't have to worry about gravity or light or, you know, time or energy or anything like that because it is, it is the opposite of following the law. It no longer has those physical sensations. What would be the gray space in that situation? I think the gray space would be a ghost. It is something that is no longer following the laws 100%, yet it's still, if you're on a three-story building, it still walks on the floor of that three-story building. It doesn't fall, it still has tangible things that it does. If there is a painting on your wall, complete chaos, darkness would mean that painting doesn't exist on nine dimensions above where you're standing at, and law and order would be, for me to move that painting, I actually have to physically touch it. In the gray space, the painting exists in that ghost reality, but do they actually have to put out their index finger and tap it slightly, or can they just affect it through another means that we don't know about? This is, I know, you guys are like Jason. You're really reaching here. But what if... What if TGA gray spacing slash paranormal debug is the explanation for why some people can see and interact with ghosts and, and other people have never had a paranormal experience their entire life? What if it is related to how your thalamus works? What if it's related to how you receive information? Because you, I, me and you could both be looking at a painting and I could say oh, that painting's red and they go, and you go, no, that painting's pink. You could be colorblind. I could not be colorblind. I could have more colors in my verbal repository. I don't know if that's a term, but I can look at a painting and go, that's magenta. And you look at the painting and go, no, that's red. I've always thought it was weird. The reason why girls know so many colors is because they have to know so many colors. If you've ever walked down a makeup aisle in your life, you will learn a hundred different words for the color red. Does that mean that women can differentiate color better than men can? Does it just mean they have a better vocabulary for explaining it? That's a little off topic, but I mean, so the point is, is that what if it's not so much about being more spiritual? What if it's an actual biological constraint? What if some people, what if some people, their brain is so highly regulated to the law and order, the science side of things, that a ghost could walk right by them and they would never even see it. They wouldn't feel the coldness on their skin. They're 
in that white law and order sign. If it doesn't exist in the physical world, it doesn't exist and they can't see it or feel it or hear it or anything like that. Then other people who are more towards the dark side, and I'm not saying dark side spiritually, but more towards the edge of the reality, they see it all the time. They go to church and they pray and they feel the tingle in their skin as the Holy Spirit envelops them. Or they're walking through a creepy house and they hear a noise and they turn. And the person sitting next to them has a different brain chemistry. They can't hear or see anything at all. They could be sitting in the same church, listening to the same hymn. They could be walking down the same dark hallway. They could have had the same life experiences, even have the same religion and the same superstitions. But the one person's brain is more tuned chemically. I'm not talking magic or anything here. His brain is more tuned to be able to sense those things than this person who doesn't. I know people all the time who believe in ghosts and never seen a ghost before. I never had any ghost experience until I was 17 years old, believed in my whole life. What if that's the debug? What if there is a way to, to fix it? To make it so you don't see ghosts? Maybe there's a way to fix it the other way so that you do see more ghosts. What if that's the conspiracy? What if there would be a reason to switch that switch on and off in people unwillingly? What if you could take people who had never seen a ghost before, never had a religious experience before, and adjust them chemically so they see those things? Same notion, but the other way. What if you were, say, a government, and you thought too many of your people were worshipping a particular religion, and you introduce some sort of chemical into the food supply or the water supply or whatever to make them less open to seeing those things, to feeling those things, to feeling the Holy Spirit inside of them. What if you could shut that off? What if you could debug it? You're fixing a program. You could go either way. You can make your population very scared because all of a sudden people who have never seen a ghost before are seeing ghosts everywhere. Or you can make people wake up and go, that's weird, I've been to church for the past month and it just doesn't feel the same. I don't feel that connection to God anymore. Now, of course, I have no proof of that. I have no proof that anyone's actually doing that. But again, I think it's always interesting when there's stuff on this list that seems like a just a combination of words. And yes, yes, Anyone can stretch anything to mean anything. But everything did kind of come together. It's just a weird a weird thing to think about. Is there... Would there be a benefit to a government or an institution to make people more likely or less likely to have spiritual experiences? I didn't plan it. I actually... This is a little bit of serendipity because I did not plan this when I started this show, but... It's interesting because that does tie back to the whole idea of having people cut their hair to cut them off from the spiritual. What if they've perfected that? And I say they like it's some sort of group, but let's just for, you know, what if someone has perfected that and has figured out a way to cut people off from that gray space that shows us that there is something else out there? DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. Twitter is at Jason O. Carpenter. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day. But I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys. 